Welcome to EdTech Speaks, a podcast bringing guests together to share their expertise and advice on navigating business and education in a technology-driven world. From entrepreneurs to vendors, higher education to corporate leaders, we'll uncover their perspective regarding the latest trends and technologies impacting your career or business. Our podcast is made possible by Downing EdTech Consulting, where people and technology connect. Hosted by Cher Downing, an experienced executive spanning a higher education and corporate career with specific focus on the EdTech industry, Dr. Downing is also an international and national presenter, author, and regular media contributor. Now here is your host, EdTech strategist, Dr. Cher Downing. Hi, everyone. Welcome to EdTech Speaks, a podcast where we bring guests to share their expertise and advice on navigating business and education in a technology-driven world. Our goal is to provide you with options and ideas for products, services, and knowledge that will help benefit you or your business. I'm Cher Downing, your host, and I want to introduce today's guest, Seth Raphael, an entrepreneur, a programmer, and creator of LinkJoin. Welcome, Seth. Thank you so much. So I also want to introduce us investors, as I call them, and parents, Robert and Debbie. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Hi, thanks. So Seth is early in his entrepreneurial career, if you can't tell, because I have his parents on here as well. But I was excited to bring him to you today on the show to talk about his current journey and his new product and really Seth's outlook about where he's going with this and why it's so important to take an idea and take it fully into concept and start to move forward with it. So we're going to talk today a little bit with Seth. We're also going to talk a little bit with his parents. And I hope listeners that you enjoy listening to really seeing that entrepreneurial onset and that really taking idea forward, but also the importance of having people that are backing you and that are really interested in what it is that you're wanting to do. So Seth, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about how you came up with LinkJoin, your newest product. So thanks so much for the introduction and everything. And yeah, I came up with LinkJoin while I was in virtual school. So I was being consistently late to my classes because we had a weird seven-minute break period in between each class, which is not long enough to go and do anything but it's just long enough to get sidetracked doing something else on the computer. So I would just be doing something else, uh, predominantly coding, and then I'd realize maybe five minutes into my class, oh my God, I forgot to join. So LinkJoin started out as a simple program on my computer that I put my links into and I put in the times of my classes and it automatically opened the Zoom links at the right time. So it worked great. I wasn't late anymore. And I'd wanted to show this to some friends and let it help them out too. So I'd started off by sending my code to them, which of course was just code that they had to run themselves on their computer. And it was very inconvenient. They would have issues when copying, pasting it, and then when actually running and using the code. So it gave me the idea to turn it into a website. I had taken a web design class before, but I didn't end up finishing it because it was very dry material that I didn't really find much of an application for, so I just dropped the class. But now I had reason to put my limited knowledge to use and also learn a lot more 
while making link join into a website. So it started off very bare bones. You just put in the link and the time and the day and it opened. But then it evolved and it eventually became the product that it is today, looking very nice and clean and having lots more features that are really helpful for me and many other students and educators. That is just, it's fantastic. And listeners, we will give you his information here at the end of the broadcast so that you can go out and follow up on this as well. For those of you that are listening off schedule, this is in the fall of summer and fall of 2021. We're just coming off a year of pandemic where we had a major shutdown. Everyone was at home. Many of you either just having to deal with meetings or going to school online had this very problem of finding all the links at the right time, having everything open up. So, you know, when you sit there and you think about, boy, I wish there was a product that would do something for this. Seth took that concept and took it one step further. And that is just so impressive to think about it and to figure out how to do it. So what's some of the feedback that you've received on it, Seth, from your friends that are using it? So some of the first feedback that I received was from someone on an online platform called Discord, which is a messaging app. And I was showing off the designs that I was coming up with for LinkJoin because it was my first website that I'd ever made. And I had no experience with web design whatsoever. So it just looked like an awful website. It just had clashy colors really ugly formatting. It was just not good. So the first feedback, some of the first feedback that I received was from someone who saw my designs and said, hey, can I help you improve on this? And I said, no, it's okay. You don't need to do that. But it turned out he had already made some designs, some mock-ups, and he sent them to me. And I was like, oh my God, these are really, really good. Thank you so much. So I took these designs and I used them and I improved upon them, made them my own. And that was some of the first and most helpful feedback that I ever received. And it really helped to shape LinkJoin and turn it, it into what it is now. That's a really good lesson for all of us. You know, we build things and in, in, uh, in production, we're quick to get it out the door. And so it's always concept one, phase one. But sometimes somebody else looks at it and says, wow, I can do better. This could be better. And that's where you start building into that team concept of what's it going to take to put a product out and what's it going to take to make it sustainable. And so that's a perfect example of that. That's really exciting. And it's always great when someone takes the initiative to say, hey, I've already done something. Just take a look at it. For those of you that are out there that are graphic designers, that are web designers, that, you know, instructional designers, be thinking about that, that sometimes it's worth the value to offer something up to someone that can really cinch together that relationship and start to bring on some new opportunities for you. So that's that's just amazing. And one of the things that you talked about, Seth, that I really want to share today was why you wanted people to hear this story, why you wanted people to know why you set out to do this. Yeah, if you have an idea that you think is can be successful and more importantly can help people, then it's important to just go for it, to just try and get it out there. Because the worst thing that can happen if you try and make something and get it out there is you fail and no one notices your product and that's it. But the benefits of that so far outweigh it, uh, the risks because the worst thing that happens is nothing comes of it. The best thing that happens is lots of things happen because of it, and you end up with a potential career or a great product that's helping a lot of people. So it's always worth it to just take that first step 
and just try and get it out there, see if people like it and see if it can help them. And I think that's so important for our listeners to understand because it's always hard when you hear someone like Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, you hear the folks from Google, you hear people that have made their career and they're sitting at the top of the food chain, basically in, in these fields. And they say, oh, you know, you just got to go for it. You just got to get out there. And you think, well, sure, because you have people and you have budget and you have, you know, all this opportunity. And we forget that they started out in the same manner. They started an idea and a concept and they didn't know if it was going to take or not. And they had some failures along the way, but they moved forward in it. And, and that was why I, I really liked you talking about that, because I think this is an opportunity for people to see someone at the startup stage. And we don't always get to see that. We see it once it's shiny and packaged and it's out there and everything's great. And so we think we can't do it sometimes. There's that feeling of, oh, I'll never get to that point. You're an absolute 100% value of, yes, you can start this and you can move this forward and you can just see what happens with it. So, which is where I'm going to bring your parents in, because obviously you've got two great backers here who are very interested in what you do, um, who have supported you going to camps and learning all these things. So Robert, I'm going to start with you. You know, did when Seth started talking about doing this, did you immediately see his vision or were you just thinking this is another coding project? And how'd you feel about that? Yeah. By way of background, I know nothing of coding. I know nothing (laughs) of entrepreneurialism. I know nothing of any of this stuff, and I don't know where he gets either his interest or proclivity in it, but I am nonetheless grateful and totally in awe of it. And so from my perspective, he's always in there coding, and it's hard for me to know from an outside perspective as a parent, especially during the remote learning of the pandemic, is he on school? Is he coding? It was just kind of this continuum of being at his laptop So when he was telling us about it, it was exciting and interesting. Oh, that's cool. You had a problem and you coded your way into solving this problem for yourself and then took it to another step of making it more broadly available. And everything everything since then has been optimizing it, tinkering with it, improving it, and trying to get it out there so that more people can become aware of it and, and take advantage of it. So I I still don't really understand the nuts and bolts of it at all, but it looks nice as a website. And uh, again, I'm just thoroughly impressed and just, you know, scratching my head that he was able to, to do this. He's always telling us about the details of the coding. I did this on LinkJoin. I did this. Oh, I've been working on this thing. And I don't know what in God's name he's talking about most of the time, but it looks good. And uh, I'll take his word for it that it works. <laughs> So Debbie, how are you you coming at it from from your perspective? Is it the same or do you have some experience and background in these areas? Similar to Robert, I have no background in coding or anything technological like that. And he just adores it. And I think it's wonderful from the time he was exposed to it. And then he slowly built on it for himself and kind of learns as he goes. And that's what he does is he problem solves, you know, and he really thrives on that. So yeah, I don't have background in that at all, but I love what he's doing. I think it's really useful. And I know it's been useful to him. I know it's been useful to our younger son. And, uh, and I think I think it's great. And I think it has a potential to be useful to to a lot of people out there. So 
I wholeheartedly agree with that. Seth knows when, when we first talked, I was just like, wow, where, where have you been? Because having worked in higher ed for many, many years, even just students who are living in a dorm who maybe are taking a hybrid course or doing an online course often don't show up. And as an online instructor, you know, I would send a note and say, hey, you know, you didn't come to class on Tuesday. And they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about it. So I've seen it from all different perspectives. But I think, you know, the, the bigger issue here from, from the two of you is the fact that you are so supportive of what he's doing. And I think oftentimes with entrepreneurs, some of the biggest struggles is because the people you live with, whether it's a spouse or a parent or a partner, don't understand what you do, as you're both talked about. But then they also don't want to support it because they don't understand it. And I think the two of you have, have taken that initiative to say, we don't get it, but it seems to be working. And obviously, you're putting some skill to use. So this is a great thing. What do you recommend for, for families and for people that are supporting entrepreneurs? I would say really being there to listen and to encourage and to support. I don't need to understand every word or even most of what he's saying, but to be there to hear and to provide that sounding board, I think can be really valuable. So that's what we try to do. There's a concept called rubber duck debugging, where when you have a problem in your code or in whatever you're making, you take a rubber duck and you explain your problem to it. And in explaining the problem, trying to explain how it works and what's happening, you often get to a point where you're just like, oh, that's why this is happening. And then you can continue on and you've solved the problem. That's a lot of the support that they provide. They are my rubber ducks for helping me <laughs> solve problems. Especially my dad, who's just like, oh, yeah, I have no interest in this, but feel free to keep rambling. Yeah, and I'll, I will happily continue quacking at you until you arrive at the correct <laughs> conclusion on your own. <laughs> but I think that's a great example, Seth, because it's absolutely true. And, and those of us that work in the field, we're used to doing that. You know, we're used to doing rubber ducking in a variety of ways for a lot of different projects. And sometimes we come up with a solution just by saying it out loud. In the time that we explain the situation, suddenly we have that aha moment in the clarity to go back and fix something. But it still is always more helpful when you can bounce it off of somebody else, when you can at least have the reaction, or they ask maybe even the you know most simplistic question, but it triggers a response that you suddenly think, wow, didn't even think of that. So, you know, I love that that there's that ability for you to bounce those ideas off of them. And I really want our listeners to understand that when you're in the ed tech space, not everyone understands what you do. Most of us have people in our lives that really don't understand what we do. They just see the end result of it. But it's the support mechanism of just being there that makes such a huge difference in the success levels. And when you look at people in this field, the ones that are successful have those people that support them. And 90% of them really don't understand what they do myself included. The people that support me don't always understand what I do either, <laughs> but they do know that it makes a difference and that there are things out there. In terms of, of what Seth has done in terms of like taking coding camps and, and some of these other things, is that something that, that you to encourage for people that are interested in building and doing these kinds of things? Uh, do you feel like it's it's been a really worthwhile investment in terms of now what he's producing? 
Oh, yes, yes. You know, when he was young, he would do different kinds of summer camps in many different areas because he had so many different interests. And that was kind of nice. He could really discover what kinds of things he liked the most. And yes, I think it was a wonderful thing that he discovered that he enjoyed coding. He loved 3D printing. It's kind of lots of things in that realm and and other realms. And yeah, so as time went on, he did find a couple of other computer courses that he that he explored. And I think those were just wonderful for him. So I would definitely encourage courses like that and just exploring your interests. I will say, though, it definitely depends on the person, because while I really did benefit from these courses and they really got me going, once I had that motivation and the base knowledge, I learned a lot just on my own using Google and Stack Overflow and GitHub and other coding resources. And these things really helped me learn and grow even without courses. There's no need to spend money on things like this. There are so many great free resources out there and just assorted things that you can learn from. Like I took a base Python course. And then after that, I learned mostly on my own. I had pretty much no knowledge of JavaScript, another computer programming language that's used to build websites. And I learned almost everything I know about JavaScript just from the internet and not paying anything, just using Google, learning what I needed to know as I went along, and eventually building up a foundation of knowledge that I could use for everything else. And that is exactly it. Yeah, to a very impressive degree that I cannot understand, Seth is really an autodidact. He has really (laughs) taught himself this stuff out of interest and necessity and i guess that's that's the secret sauce is really loving it enough to want to dive in and learn more coding in my world because i'm not part of that world feels like a job it's like something you do at work i it's hard for me to conceptualize it as a hobby as a thing that you would just do for the enjoyment of doing it i recognize through him and, and his friends who are similarly into it, that it is, though, very much of a hobby and an interest. And uh, it's been fun to watch him do it and learn and thrive in that in that world. But all of it is because he just really enjoys it so much and wants to dedicate the time to doing it. So as a result, we he had a very, very productive and fruitful pandemic lockdown. He was doing all this stuff and ended up with a lot to show for it. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's interesting. I've talked to a few people that have had a really great pandemic. I mean, it's horrible to say it that way, but it's truth. They took advantage of that time and they they did things and they built things. And we had a lot of people that just really hated it. They felt like they were just stuck and and couldn't do that. But I think to your point, Robert, the part of that reason is, and it's something I always ask startups is, are you passionate about your product or your concept or are you a dreamer about it? Because when you dream of it, you dream of the end result. I dream of selling it to Google and making a million dollars, but you have no concept of how that's going to get there. And when you're passionate about it, you're like, I can make it better. I can figure out how to do this differently. I can change this. If I would just learn something, I could do that myself. You know, why do I need to have somebody do that for me? That's where you see the difference. 
in the difference in when a product goes and when people support that product. And it really shines in when people purchase that product, when people use that product. They they recognize when someone has that vested interest in it as opposed to, oh, we just kind of built it and threw it out there. You know, and for our listeners, when you think about it, think of all the apps that you have on your phone that you download readily and very easily. And then how many of them do you actually use every single day, every week, every month? just a portion of them because they're the ones that are good. They're the ones that are adaptable. They're the ones that recognize when things change in the world that they need to change for you. And that's the difference in having the passion for the product versus just having the dream of the product. Seth, I think you've talked about this in terms of of just looking at link join. And I know that you have other ideas for where things go with this, but I think you also have a lot of other interests And I'm wondering how those have contributed to it also, because I know that you said you were supposed to be at a little place called Carnegie Hall and you didn't get to go. Hopefully you'll get to go one of these days. But talk to us a little bit about, you know, how all of these other interests that you have kind of drive into where your coding passion is. So what's interesting is that pretty much all of my interests are completely independent from one another they have almost no overlap. So I really like hockey, ice hockey. That's something that I really enjoy playing. And then I also enjoy piano, just playing piano, practicing, performing. That's something that I really love. And then I love coding. These are three things that are just completely different from each other. Although the overlaps from piano and coding are there a bit. Obviously there's the finger movement where you're typing and you're on the keys of a piano. But then there's also the memorization of piano and the theory of it, where anyone can just play a piece enough times and get the feel of where your fingers go and how to do that. But then there's also the theory of piano, where you can memorize how everything fits together, how you can utilize different resources in the piano and put them together to make it even better. And that sort of correlates to coding where I can bring all these different things and tools and technology together to make one great product. I think you definitely have an intuitiveness for logic. And so no matter what the thing it is that you're working on, you somehow figure out the logic of it. And that's where it all kind of interfeeds, not really overlap, you're right, but it does interfeed for how your brain works and how you then take those things apart. This has been just fascinating, as always, for me. And I was so excited that that you were able to join us today. I know that you're on LinkedIn, and we'll be sure and include your LinkedIn account when we publish everything. Can individuals message you directly there if they're interested in learning more? I believe they can. I You can always feel free to connect with me, and then you can send infinite free messages. Although I believe before connecting, you can send one message. Terrific. And we'll also include Seth's bio on there. Um, Seth, remind me again, what is what grade you're in this year? I'm in ninth grade this year. Ninth grade. So still a, a little ways to go in school, but clearly already making an impact in the industry. And I look forward to seeing bigger and, and just greater things from you. Debbie and Robert, you have your hands full. <laughs> 
<laughs> he is just fabulous and just really, really a shining star in, in this industry right now. We're just starting to see the next group of, of people that are coming out and doing things. Seth, you're definitely one of those things. And I encourage all of our listeners to, to take a look at his LinkedIn site and really learn more about his product and, and what he's working on. So I want to thank all of you for joining me today. I appreciate you being on here. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and can make use of this innovative information. And I also look forward to having you join us again and finding out more about us either at our website at www.downingedtech.com or following us on Spotify, Audible, Apple, or where you prefer to access your podcasts. And also sign up to link with us on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, keep learning. Thank you for listening to EdTech Speaks with EdTech strategist Cher Downing. To learn more about the services Downing EdTech and its staff can provide you, find us at www.downingedtech.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to share it. We'd also like to hear from you regarding any suggestions for topics or guests and the value you received from our show. Check back for new podcasts with featured guests at www.downingedtech.com backslash podcast. Thank you.